Community. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. This week we're talking about what isn't community. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what community is, isn't, and what it should be. We talk about what part we have to play, what part others have to play, and how we can mutually help one another. Let's do this. This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. This is episode 13. And today we are talking about what isn't community. That's a question that we decided to ask based on, you know, a very popular question of what is community. And a lot of times it's easier for people to talk about what something isn't than is. We actually kind of got a mixed bag, so we're going to kind of be hitting both sides of the spectrum, talking about what it isn't and what it is. And it's a lot of different things to a lot of different people, so this will be fun. This episode's a little bit different than some of our others. We're trying out something new here. We asked on Facebook and messaged a few people about what they thought community was not and we got some responses. Some people sent us, uh, we got a couple audio messages. We got a few um, written messages as well. So we're just going to kind of pick from all of this. And you'll get to hear from some other people other than just Elaine and I and just another guest here. Uh, so we don't have anyone in studio today. But we do have quite a bit of feedback. So it's going to be fun. But before we get into that, as always, a quick message from today's sponsor, Cedar Temple Trade Company. And they make awesome Christian apparel and home goods. They got some new stuff coming up. Check out their website, cedartemple.com. And check out the end of this episode or the show notes below for a promo code for 20% off your first item. And also, if you enjoy the show, uh, maybe this is your first episode and you don't really know yet. That's cool. But if you decide you like the show or you've been listening for a while and haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a lot. helps us keep... Uh, in contact with you so you can get updates on when new episodes come out. And we really appreciate you taking the time to listen. So with that, we're going to dive right into this episode on what isn't community. Here it is. So Elaine, today we're talking about what isn't community. And before we get into some of these uh, awesome feedback that we have here, what is your opinion on something community isn't? We can be superficial at first. We can, we can ease our way into this, you know. Well, to me, community isn't full of church clicks. Yeah. Isn't back full into of gossip. Isn't full of isolation. Community isn't making people feel outcasted if they're different from the other people in the group. Yeah. To me, community is not church potlucks. Well, yeah, because you don't trust them. <laughs> I don't like eating other people's food. I'm weird about it. Some, I mean, okay, so let me change that. I will eat other people's food. I'm just weird because at church potlucks, I don't actually know 
anything like what what everything is and i don't know what's in everything and i don't know i'm just weird about them i also don't like buffets so you know like i hate golden corral i think it's a terrible name why do you hate that place why do i hate golden corral yes. because tell our listeners well think about the name you are it's basically the heavenly trough it's the corral it's a bunch of fat animals corralled into the stable to eat and gorge themselves that's not why you hate it, though. Well, I, no, I don't hate Golden Corral for what you think. I hate buffets for what you think. This is completely off topic. <laughs> I hate buffets because I was once at the Western Sizzler. If you don't know what that is, I think out in the West it's called Sizzling? Sizzler. But here it's called Western Sizzlin', right? Sizzlin', yeah, whatever. It's, it's basically a steak, quote-unquote steak. It's a chewy meat place with a buffet line. That used to be around here. Um, and I watched an old lady take out her teeth, get a big scoop of mashed potatoes, sniff them, then lick them, all while holding the spoon in the same hand that she had her teeth in. And then she like took the community spoon, made a weird face that she just licked out of and stuck it back in the potatoes and put her teeth in and went and got some corn. And it was disgusting. And it was after I ate and I felt sick to my stomach and I was super grossed out. So that's why I don't like those. But that's completely irrelevant to our conversation of... <laughs> That'll be in the um, outtakes. No, we'll, we'll leave that in there. <laughs> um, community is not, to me, um, just any social gathering. And there's a reason for that. Because I think a lot of those things are almost like obligatory. Like you're obligated you're to forced. be at them. Or like you can have community at those things. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes it's, it's just... Uh, a weird, awkward thing because I don't think community is just necessarily sitting around and eating with a bunch of people. I well, think that they, I mean, it can be, I guess, but in a weird sense too, like that's just true community isn't just this like, oh, I'm going to go sit at the potluck thing. There's more to community outside of that than just your Well, and sometimes I think that we ostracize the people that don't go there, don't go to potlucks and functions. And sometimes we can outcast them and like, why aren't they in our community? Why didn't they come to this? Yeah, there are a lot of people who don't like um, big social gatherings. That doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them different. Introverts are not the type that typically like those kind of things. Um, but it's okay to go. Like, I mean, there's a balance there. I think it's a, a good thing to to go and to socialize and to meet people, but... But a lot of times there are those type of people that just don't want to go to certain types of functions that may want to go to other things. And you're right. There's a there's kind of a sometimes you can feel like an outcast in that. But real quick, let's just open this thing up on a non superficial level and uh, hear what some some of our friends had to say about this very thing. Uh, I'm going to be reading a comment from Brian Gregory. He is a co-host of the More Than Milk podcast. You can find them on iTunes and all that that good places where you can find our podcast as well, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you're listening to this, you should be able to find them too, I believe. The More Than Milk podcast. He's a future guest of the show, and so I'm, I'm happy that he chimed in. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read what he had to say. He said, a strong community isn't a place where people feel afraid of confrontation. In Christ, we are compelled to confess our faults and to correct one another in a meaningful and loving way. If we do not have the community, if, pardon, if we do not have that, the community is weak and ineffectual. Let's talk about how community 
is a place for iron to sharpen iron. What are the pros and cons of community and and dealing with um, confrontation? Because I know, like, I have an issue. Like, I'm an introverted guy, and I know Elaine, you're you're. It's too married. We're we're two married introverts, and so it's easy for us to to keep stuff like inwardly focused, you know. And so it's it's hard to sometimes it's hard to offer. Like, how do you offer correction to someone or offer advice to someone without coming across as condescending? Because I think there's been a lot of that in church and and outside of church. This isn't just about church community. This is community in general. And community takes a lot of different shapes, and we'll, we'll touch on that in just a second. But what does, I guess, like that process of of trying to help someone, you know, kind of better themselves look like because that's abused in churches sometimes correction a lot of times is dealt with a harsh a harsh hand instead of a gentle a gentle nudge i think the right way of confronting someone within a community is not going up to them and say hey you did this and this and this wrong and like just kind of leaving it there and like not allowing them to explain their reason for what they did. Because sometimes we do things we don't even realize. And if we have somebody coming up in our face saying, hey, like, you were really rude to this person or you shouldn't have been doing this, they may not even realize that they were doing that or how they came across. But I think the correct way is asking them, what are they going through? How are they feeling? What What's going on? If you sense something wrong with them, and allow them first to tell you, hey, I'm going through this. And then I feel like you can say, okay, well, I can, like, I understand that. And this, whatever it was, whatever situation came up, then I feel like you can address that situation and confront that person, but not being combative and saying like, you did this and you did this. I took it this way. And if I'm in the wrong, please correct me instead of just completely throwing everything on a person. Right, and I think uh, Brian worded this very eloquently whenever he said, uh, in Christ, we are compelled to confess our faults and correct one another in meaningful and loving ways. And that's not just tearing each other down because yeah. something they said just pissed you off or whatever. That's that's literally a meaningful and loving thing of like, hey, I love you as a person. Let me try to help you like see the light of maybe this week I've been in a place to where like I've had to fight a bitter attitude for some stuff that's happened at work. It takes people being able to come to me and also like to not only sympathize with like, yes, okay, maybe you were done wrong or whatever, but also to say, but put yourself in that other person's shoes. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about with church clicks of put yourself in their shoes and try to understand the other side. I love what he was saying about a strong community isn't a place where people feel afraid of confrontation. Confrontation is not my strong suit. Uh, it's something I've had to learn, but it's definitely not something I was just born to do, unlike my lovely wife who can confront a bull head on and the bull's going to run and tuck its tail. Not always the nice way of doing so. but Yes, but you are... <laughs> Bold as a lion, and I'm about as timid as a mouse sometimes. So uh, I'm learning. You know, we're, we balance each other. I was going to say, you, it, sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, we balance each other out. But uh, I love that he's saying he's he, not afraid of confrontation, but confrontation is to confront. It is to to approach, to make known. It isn't to destroy or tear down, like you said, in meaningful and loving ways we confront. And then he said that if the community does not have that, it's weak and ineffectual. 
basically saying that a community is is a beautiful thing whenever it is mutual, where you can share the good, the bad, and the ugly. But if all you're doing is sharing the good, or all you're doing is gossiping, or all you're doing is um, saying hi, or all your good is talking about the negative, or only the positive, if you only pick one avenue within community, then it's not real community because you're not bringing the the totality of relationship to fruition. Well, it's either going to be a feel good group where you get high off of compliments, and right. or it's condemnation and blaming and all that stuff. Like you can either have a pos like super positive, but you're not really gaining anything from it, or super negative, and nobody's really working together and allowing people the grace to either change their actions or grow in uh grow in love yeah absolutely so thank you brian uh for sending that in that's brian gregory and like i said he's a co-host of the more than milk podcast go check them out we're gonna jump over here to another brian who sent us an audio clip brian's a great friend uh, of mine been a friend for quite some time Brian Parody is a personal trainer, and he has a heart to help you go from skinny to buff. And like he, his personal journey is pretty awesome. He's a personal inspiration to me to stay healthy and fit and to live an awesome, healthy, full lifestyle and try to be the best me I can be on a physical sense. He's also an amazing thinker, and I love hearing what he has to say. And so be sure and check him out at bonestobulk.com. But this is what Brian Parody had to say. Here it is. I don't think community is simply knowing someone. I don't think it's seeing someone once a week and doing the whole, hey, how are you? I'm great. I'm blessed. Good. Awesome. Everything's great. Like, that's not community. Community is not you know, being too busy to be there for someone when they need you. Community is not setting up a fake environment where it's forced because you can't force community. But so often I feel that community tries to be forced in this sense of let's get together and, and do life together or do this. When in reality, all that means is we're going to get together for a very short period of time and then we're going to break off, and we really never even found out what's going on in that person's life. We don't know their struggles. We don't know their insecurities. We don't know anything about what drives them, what fuels them, what they're passionate about. But we had this little glimpse, and we're going to call that community. And I just don't feel that that is in any sense of what community truly is. Yeah, so I thought that was a good follow-up because, for one, I opened up with talking about church potlucks, and now uh, <laughs> they drive me nuts. And for two, I thought it was uh, cool because it kind of segues in from what our other Brian friend was saying um, and how community so often is just a quick little interaction. It's just a blip on the radar, and we call that community. And in reality, that's just our little – that's social obligation. That's not community. Community is deeper than that. It because goes a lot of those, it's like scheduled out meetings. Like, I'm going to meet you Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock at this place, and we're going to talk about – nothing right x y and z and that's it and it's cool community is discipleship a mutual both way discipleship community is going out of your way to say hey let's take some time you know at least you know maybe once a month maybe once a week depending on your schedules and how things work 
to to engage and catch up with each other. And it is saying, hey, if you're ever in a pinch, you know, if you need help moving, uh, then let's go move together. You know, I've helped Brian and Heather move twice. Heather's Brian's wife, by the way. She runs the weekly parody podcast. So go check her out too. And I've been able to, you know, like been a part of their life. I've sit and had coffee with them till 1 a.m. talking about everything from gosh, politics to demonology to our favorite uh, cookies. I mean, it's just been everything. Well, playing Catan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I playing Catan. And it's pronounced Catan, not Catan. That's a direct shot at them. They know what I'm talking about. So, uh, and but that's community. Community is a is, is social interaction. It's me being able to pick up the phone and call someone and saying, hey, like, can we chat? And even if they're busy right that second, they, I know they're going to say, like, even if they can't talk right that second, they're going to call me back and they're going to get with me and we're going to be able to talk and chat. It's not just this, and this is popular in, in churches of, the the meet and greet where you have five minutes to walk around and hug as many people as you can and tell them you that's love the them in Jesus. I and, hate it. <laughs> yeah, that's your church potluck, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and run around and tell everyone like, hey, love you, glad to see you, when in reality you really don't care. And you may think you care, but you don't even know half of these people. You don't know people. anything You don't know them. the struggle because you've never taken the time to get to know them. And they've never taken the time to get to know you. And there's really no community well, there. And they may be dying on the inside, but they're going to be, oh, I'm great. Everything's right, great. Face. Nothing's going on. Like, exactly. the weather's nice. And they're like, but I'm going through this. And you'll never know. Right. Because community is getting a an intimacy with other people. It's, you know, and like I said, that looks different for different people. Some people thrive more one-on-one. Some people thrive, uh, honestly, will blossom more over text than they ever would on phone calls because they think phone calls are awkward. Some people hate taking, I'm not that person. There are a few people in this world that I can get on the phone with and have a deep conversation with because I just, I don't, my, I'm visual. I have to be there with someone. You can't see their facial expressions or like how they actually feel about what they're talking about. Right. And so like on texts and sometimes phone calls, I can come across as very cold because I just, I'm looking at something else. My brain's somewhere else. So I'm the kind of person, like I need to sit down with you. And have a conversation and not in a big social group because I'm not a socialite. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to hear from a couple people later that are socialites and that, that engage that way. And that are able to walk and, uh, and work a room and just have meaningful interactions with a hundred people in an evening, you know, if they needed to. And that's it's beautiful that they're able to do that. But that's their love language is to be able to... Um, to be able to go into a room and just and kind of isolate themselves in those little pockets. Uh, people like me, my senses get overloaded and I shut down and go crawl in a corner. But that's something you wouldn't know about me unless you took the time to get to know that. And so those little meet and greets, those, hey, how are you, those obligatory little things, it's almost like a Walmart greeter kind of, kind of approach. You're never going to get to actually know someone. And that's, that's a big point like to take from this is you have to get to know someone to have community with someone because community isn't these little touch-and-go experiences, you know? You have to get your hands in the clay to form something. You can't just leave your thumbprint. So next, we are going to hear um, from Katie Clifton. She is actually one of my old mentors from youth group. She's a super awesome person, and she's very, what I say, I would think, as someone who is very 
community oriented, is always inviting people over, is always accepting of other people, and is just all around just a loving person. And she said that community is not superficial. It is raw and real and should exist to love you during the messy lows of life as well as celebrating the highs. And I really liked that because kind of what we were talking about a little while ago is community isn't just the good things. Like community is knowing what somebody is going through, even if it's the lowest of their life, like and being there for that person and being able to be open with that person, being honest, raw, vulnerable, transparent. And I think also in a strong community that should be replicated. It shouldn't just be one-sided of one person being able to be open, the other person in it isn't. It's being able to communicate together of what you're going through, even if it's even if you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I think um, a couple of the recurring themes in what everyone sent us here is is that two-way street, um, that two-way street between people, and that two-way street uh, with the lows and the highs. And there's a few times that's mentioned from a, a couple like. Three or I think three different people, it's talking about how uh, you have to be able to love during the messy and celebrate in the highs. And that's what Katie had said there. Mm-hmm. And it embodies what I've heard numerous people say is it's not that superficial, hey, how are you? It's a recurring um, intimate interaction where you're able to lift up when someone's low and celebrate when they're already up. And it's a, it's a constant flow between both parties and sometimes uh that may be just a a one-to-one sometimes that may be a 10 to 10 it's you know community looks a lot of different ways and something i want to point out real quick is community has different tiers right think about jesus jesus had community he had his three right he had his three that were super close to him. They were intimate. They were his true community. They were his best friends. And then you go out to the 12. And then you go out to those that they touched in the multitudes and all the others that came and interacted. So Jesus had three tiers. If you look at it as a target of Jesus is the bullseye, there's three different rings radiating out from that. We're the same way. We have our super close intimate group, the people that know everything that's been there, done that, and wrote the book on it. Then we have our group that's a little further out. A lot of times this is where like our church communities fall. This may be where some of more of our distant relatives fall or our, um, you know, just like a lot of our relative relationships and maybe like work environment people. They're close to us. They're, it's an intimate circle. It may not be like your three closest friends, but there's nothing wrong. We're not, this isn't a grading scale. You know, you're not assigning tags to different people. It's just that you have this this radiating um sphere of community and you have these church people and everything but these are all still people you have to know these are people you have to take the time to know they may not be the most influential people in your life but it's still your community it's still people that you have an obligation to and then have an obligation to you and then you have those outside of that who you touch and that could be um maybe yes still some of those people in your church body are still within your within your reach they may not be the closest to you, but they're within your reach of influence. And then you look at your community. It could be your neighborhood. It could be, you know, people that work in a different department as you, people at, at your job. It could be people that, that feel like they can trust you and talk to you that you may not know well that may be trying to work their way 
closer to you, but those are people that are within your reach of influence. We have an obligation to our community, uh, including our neighborhood. We have obligations to our community being our, our country. Uh, we have obligations to our communities all around us. And just because something doesn't feel like it's a part of your community doesn't mean that we have to shut it out. And doesn't mean that we have to to just lock away these people over there like they're different and we're this. Community doesn't always look the same. You know, these people may look completely different than you. They may act different than you, but that doesn't make them any less a part of you. Now, am I saying that you have to go out of your way to spend every waking second of your life. No, you have to have time for you. Like I said, Jesus invested in the three and then the 12 and then those out there. But he actively engaged in many different areas to encompass the mission of loving people. And that's what uh, Katie was saying to me is that real and raw should exist to love during the messy lows and celebrate the highs. Even on the furthest out, the messy lows could be a neighbor you're not close to lost a relative. Well, it's easy to turn a blind eye to the neighbor who lives three houses down. You may not ever, you know, honestly ever even know something happened, but you overhear this. Maybe something happened. Maybe you're part of a, a you know, a neighborhood community type of, I don't know. I don't Facebook remember. group or something. Right, yeah. And you hear that. It's as simple as maybe posting a status to them or an update to them saying you love them. That may seem weird because you don't know them well enough. Just saying like, hey, I live down the road. If I can be of service, if I can let your dog out, you know, while you're taking care of stuff, if I can, you know, bring you a meal, like that's community. And extending that out to even people who aren't in your, quote, community. Right. Um, and there's a quote that whenever we get to the end of this podcast, I want to I touch on that kind of brings it into this, that someone sent into us that was so powerful to me that really just hit me. Whenever he said it, we'll get to that. But community, like I said, is that it's that radiating out. And those people closest to you, you're automatically going to know what to be able to do more. You're going to know, hey, I need to be like this person's going. You you know their emotions before they do. They're your closest group. Then that group outside of you're going to hear about that second tier because they're the people that are actively around you all the time. But that third tier of people that that influence you have. Uh, that you don't even really like often know about those people, the neighbor you pass by every day that's out there, you know, checking the mail about the time you go to work, or the coworker that kind of wanders by your desk ever so often as they're on their way to the copy machine. Those are the people on that outside ring that we may not always know what's going on in their life, but when we get the chance and the the glimpse into that, we can still be a community to that person, and that's how we come closer uh, globally as people because people are community well and i think a way to be community oriented even to those who are in your close three is not being afraid of being awkward or dirty or messy like being okay to look funny you know to extending that grace to those that you don't even know like you were saying with your neighbor who lost somebody in their family it may be awkward to go knock on their door and say hey you don't know me but you know i'm praying for you or let me let me take care of your dog while you can go fix you know while you can go uh, be be a part of your uh family's loss you know and it's okay to be awkward because you're extending that out and saying hey i don't know you but let me help you Right, and that's um, 
I'm going to go ahead and bring in something our friend Erica Hale said, and she's a dear friend to us. I've worked with Erica in ministry for years, and so... In the ballpark. Yeah, she also works with us at the ballpark, so we were actually able to talk a little bit about this in between customers last night. Um, and I'm going to read, I'm going to touch on something she said here that, that seems very prevalent to what you were just saying is, uh, she said, I think community is sacrifice, friendship, and hard work. It's about taking care of others around you. It's checking on a friend when you would rather watch Netflix. It's helping a church member move when you're too tired. It's taking time out of your busy schedule to acknowledge someone else's need. Community is taking care of each other. It's action oriented. So to answer the question, I believe community isn't selfish. And that's just, it's a beautiful thing. And she also said that, you know, being involved, and before she said that, it's uh, she said, I think we need to be more involved, talking about issues, uh, just blogging about it or podcasting about it. We can't merely talk about issues. We have to do something about it. I think that's a beautiful thing of, so often we love to talk about issues, but just talking about an issue and not trying to do something to better the issue is glorified gossip. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to talk about things. We're sitting here talking about it now, which is needed. There is a need to talk about without talking about something you can't I, acknowledge I know something. What to do. But with everything uh, that is talked about, there has to be an action tacked onto that. You know, that talks about, uh, in the book of James, it even speaks of, you know, show me your faith, I'll show you my works. And I'm not trying to get into the whole argument of faith uh, versus works, but it's saying that you can talk about how great your faith is, but unless I see it in the world coming, uh, coming to life, being manifest in your daily life, then how am I to know that what you say is what is the truth or what you preach is fact because you're not living it? Community, um, and this isn't to say that we can't take time for ourselves. There are times in life when you have to take time for yourself, and that's whenever being a part of the community helps because that community reaches back to you. But in those times when you're healthy and well, yeah, it's very easy to just want to watch Netflix and just like veg out on the couch after a long day. But it makes me, uh, it reminds me of a time that uh, Tristan and I, which is someone who wrote an amazing part, an uh, amazing um, two-page, almost like a thesis paper to us. It's not even double-spaced or, uh, yeah, it's, it's great, guys. Just gave us a ton of information that we're about, to, we're going to hit that last. But Tristan and I uh, had to go in the middle of the night to go with our, or go to the hospital for our, uh, friend who was in a wreck and Tristan and I also and Tristan and I and Erica all worked on staff together and uh, Tristan was the children's pastor and I was the youth pastor or excuse me music pastor at the time and uh, all the lead pastors were out of town uh, our friend's wife and family was out of town and Elaine and I were binge watching season two of Stranger Things the weekend it came out yes the weekend <laughs> it came out and this is like my favorite show. Like, we had plans to literally watch the entire season in one sitting. Yeah, we had been planning this for like months. Like since the Super Bowl. Since we saw the yeah. ads for it in the Super Bowl, we had been planning for this night. And I get a phone call saying our friend was in a terrible accident. His daughter that was with them was rushed to children's. Uh, and he was just like cut and beat and bruised. And I had to take action. You can look at it in one sense of, oh, man, this is so inconvenient. I'm having to drop what I'm doing watching Netflix. 
But I promise his situation was much more inconvenient. And in that moment, what he needed was community. Someone to say, hey, let me sit with your daughter. Let me color with her because it was the grace of God. She was uh, she was well. She didn't she walked away with minor bruising, but he had some like serious contusions and like head trauma and like. But he was sitting there, you know, like a champ by his daughter in that hospital at Children's, and he wouldn't even be treated until they knew she was okay. And <laughs> God knows he needed treatment. Like he was, he had, he took the brunt of that impact. It's he had a propane tank come through the back window and smash him in the head. Like, this guy is, I mean, he's a trooper for his daughter, but he needed people in that moment. And it's like, that was one of the most humbling, honoring moments in my life, being able to stand next to my friend, and I dropped Elaine off with uh, Melissa Tristan's wife, and they were able to sit and pray for the situation together because she had her uh, her, uh, infant son Cole with her, and so she wasn't able, they weren't able to go with us, but... Uh, Tristan and I were able to go to the hospital and sit with him until 4.30, I want to say 4.30 a.m., uh, until um, his wife could uh, be, you know, rushed back. They were at a conference in Oklahoma City, I believe, right? Yeah, Oklahoma City. And so they were, like, driving back, and it was a six-hour drive back, and so we were able to sit with him this whole time, and it was an honoring thing. And it was so cool being able to say, like, this is what community is, is able to be able to be there. Sure, it's an inconvenience whenever you're in your pajamas at 10 p.m. binge-watching your favorite TV show that you've waited a year and a half on. But that show's going to be there. But in that moment, you have one chance to be there for someone else authentically. And it's, it's, it's an honor whenever you get to look back and say, I was able to be light in someone else's life because I know they do it for me too. Next, we're going to hear from Christy Burmeister. She's a new friend of ours. She was on episode six. The title of that episode was Sexual Abuse Behind Church Walls. Uh, She's an amazing woman of influence. She has an awesome voice. She's the author of Act Normal, Memoir of a Stumbling Block. We greatly enjoyed our conversation with her, and I'm so thankful she was uh, willing to chime in on this. So here's what she had to say. Asking what community isn't is interesting. A community, well, a healthy community, isn't a group of people who are all exactly alike. We need diversity within our communal identities. If there isn't any diversity and every community member is required to conform in every way, you don't actually have a community, you have a cult. Communities don't demand loyalty at all costs. Cults do that. That's why it's so concerning when religious communities shun, harass, or in any way try to silence people who speak up about wrongdoing within their circles. A community isn't forceful, isn't demanding of your time 100%, isn't making you always have to show up every single time despite of you hurting inside, of you, if you're going through something, a community isn't forcing you that week, you know, to be at all the potlucks and fundraisers and all this stuff because you have something internally or even externally going on. Right. Community is respectful of you. It's um, it's not conformativism. It's, it's respectful of your identity and your individual um, personality. And... Sometimes community looks different. 
you know, your community doesn't have to be all Christians. Your community, you know, like we were talking about neighbors, you may have a neighbor who's a hardcore atheist. Uh, I used to actively go running and have great talks with a friend of mine who is not atheist, he's more agnostic. And we would have just some amazing conversations of understanding each other and why we are the way we are. And he was a dear friend to me. I worked with him. I mean, I was around him pretty regularly. And we were we were really close. And uh, it was awesome to be able to understand him as a person because we have to quit looking at um, each person who may or may not be like us as, oh, well, they are those people or putting labels on them as, they may be, oh, those are those are um, that ethnicity. Those are those people who believe that. Oh, those are those people over there who are Democrats or Republicans. Like, we have to realize that community tears down those social walls. And, and like Christy was saying, uh, people who force people to identify a certain way are not building a community. They're building a cult because a cult says you have to live like this. You have to abide by this, and if you don't, you're not part of us. You're shunned, and they they deceive you into making you be just a certain way to fit a certain social standard and to silence you and to take away your unique identity and to strip you of that and replace with what they want in you. In a minor form, it goes back to what we were talking about last week with church clicks. You strip away the identity to speak for yourself, and you replace it with only talking you know, malice about one group of people or only talking negative about a certain select group and you're forcing a, a conformativism ideal onto that group or onto each individual person to make them be like that group to accept them as a social standard. Well, to an advanced degree, if you have that across an entire church or across an entire social club, then you don't have a community anymore. You have a cult. If somebody is really needing community sometimes desperate for community they will be willing to do anything that a kind of like in gangs you know people have a desire to be in a community to feel love to feel like they have you know brothers and sisters and like can hang out with people and stuff and they're willing to you know kill people you know do drugs and stuff just to fit in with this group and it's very manipulative and you can really hurt somebody and leave them even more wounded by forcing them to act and think and talk and dress just like that group. Yeah. I mean, talking about that, you have people, you know, it's, it's interesting, the parallel you just did. I really like that of gang violence versus maybe like church and, uh, you have, or or like cults within church. You have one group of people over here saying like, these people grew up maybe in a motherless, fatherless type of, of, uh, atmosphere or maybe they grew up you know in poverty and in order to get something in life someone told them you know the way to get ahead in life is to steal or to kill or to to um, be violent and to fit in with this group of people and they get involved in that gang culture uh, because you know that's you know poverty poverty begets um, desperality and then you have this group over here which claims are the polar opposite but in reality they're very similar of you have religious extremes where it's like you've come up in this poverty or maybe you 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 feel spiritually or or um emotionally you're inadequate and you've been told that but they have the way to get you out of that 
And so they bring you into this conformative um, ideal that transforms you into the perfect little follower. Both instances take away your identity and keep you on your toes the whole time because uh, that is that is the method of control. And that is what helps each one of those groups push their agenda further because anything that takes away your individuality is not community. It's it's cultish. It is it is stripping you of of identity. And that's not what community is. Community needs identity. It needs individuality. And that leads into something um, Tristan was saying. This is this is our friend Tristan Williford. Like I said, I worked uh, in ministry. I've known Tristan since I was in kindergarten. Um, I've grown up with Tristan basically, uh, and he's a he and his wife are dear friends to Elaine and I, and they've they've been there uh, for us in some hard times. We've been able to be together in some hard times, and we've really grown close to them over the last few years. Um, Tristan's younger brother and I were in the same grade, and and he and I are are very good friends, uh, and it's been a beautiful thing getting to know Tristan even better as I've gotten older and gotten to uh, know each other better as people. Yeah, so Tristan was saying here, when someone breaks off from community, that's one fewer pair of hands. The community has to help each other move. One fewer income to help support community's needs. And one fewer counselor, prayer warrior, and resource contact. One fewer hug, smile, and encouraging conversation. In the same way that individuals lose the strength of the community when they go off on their own, the community loses the strength of the individual. And sometimes that can be a critical loss. We all have strengths, talents, and abilities. And with those abilities comes an obligation to use them for the good of those around us. Doing life by ourselves robs the group of those abilities, and that's something communities simply cannot afford. And that's just uh, a a beautiful kind of tie-in with what we were just saying is, Community is a compassionate offering of what you have to offer. And where you have a shortcoming, someone else may have something to offer. And so you balance each other out in a, in a way that allows us all to function better. I may not be the best at this, but I can offer a hand in what I am good at knowing that you're going to do the same for me and we can help raise each other up. Um, Tristan's whole, and we're going to pull from this, and it's, uh, he, like I said, he wrote a, a beautiful paper here to us about um, just what isn't community. And uh, he said, basically, it's anything other than doing life together. What isn't community is anything other than doing life together as a group. Uh, individualism, at least in this context, simply means doing life on your own. It's when you stop spending time with the group and start trying to do everything by yourself. This can have devastating effects on both the individual and the community, which is scary because it's a really easy trap to fall into. All we have to do is stop. I don't think people generally make conscience efforts to stop being part of their communities. I think it's almost always a passive choice. Simply by not reaching out, they isolate themselves, and that hurts everyone involved. This is really easy to do, especially when something in our life changes. A new job, a baby, or housing situation can pull our focus away from the communities we are a part of. It only takes a few nights a week of coming home, turning on the TV, and not talking to anyone for that to become routine. Actually reaching right and seeing people takes energy and effort and planning. After a full day 
or week's work, it's a lot easier to just sit back and relax. Doing life with people doesn't just happen. We have to make it happen. And that's often not easy. And then he says, but it's important because doing life alone will absolutely drain us and it robs the community of our gifts. And I think um, it's a beautiful thing what he's saying with individualism, not saying, and I, I like reading through this because he's not saying being an individual is not the problem, but it's soloing yourself out, a you versus the world mentality where, and it's not something a lot of times people do by choice. And that's something that I just, I loved whenever he made that point. It's a passive thing. It's something that just happens because, because life happens. And sometimes so much in life can happen that it feels like the world's pinned up against us. And so the world wants to drive us into our shell. If it can drive us into our shell, you know, it strips our gifts from coming blossom to fruition. And it makes us, um, it makes us on the defense. And so we break away from all of those people who benefit from our uniqueness and it drives away what we have to offer and pushes it all inside us as well as cutting us off from the resources that all those other people are offering because of their fruits and what they're they're giving back to us. It cuts off that flow and basically just kind of builds a dam and keeps it trapped inside. And what happens whenever water sits, it stagnates. If there's no flow of your gift, it will stagnate and it will rot and it will be it will fester and it will become violent. And so uh, just keeping a, a mental eye on your own personality and, and accepting when other people say, hey, like I've noticed this, let me talk to you. Like, is everything okay? And sometimes, most of the time, everything probably is okay in your mind. You probably don't even realize it's going on. I've been there, you know, there's been plenty of situations in my life where I've pulled away for a bit and that's okay. You need the time to heal, but you also need to be open and keep that dialogue and say, hey, like I want to, like I'm going through this right now. Um, maybe I'm not in the exact place to talk about it right now, but just know that I'll get there. And in keeping that open contact, because if you get driven into your shell, then you're cutting off every resource you offer and that can be offered to you and you're limiting your growth potential. I almost think that this correlates back to Brian's comment about community isn't a place where people feel afraid of confrontation and that we're able to confess our faults and to correct one another in meaningful and loving ways. And where Tristan is saying like it's so easy to isolate yourselves even if you know nothing bad is going on but that's where a healthy and strong community can step up and say hey like is what's going on you know and allowing like the ability to confront that person and say hey like we miss you in the part of the group and like you are valuable and we love when you're a part of the community and is there anything that we can do to help you bring you back to the community yeah and i think uh he even goes on to sum this up where he said like whenever he was working as a children's pastor for for a while during that time uh, he said I would go months at a time without actually getting to be a part of regular service every time I did get to attend I found that what I missed most about being in there wasn't the sermon or the prayer time or even the worship service what I missed most was the people I can't put into words how desperately I needed to be smiled at hugged and encouraged by a group of people who genuinely cared about me we were created to be social to be social if you look at the very first bit of the bible talking about the first two people god said it's not good for man to be alone yes i know we use it a lot on a lot in marriage 
But that is literally the gist of God said, it's not good for man to not have other people in his life. It's dangerous. It's it's volatile. And I think even in creation in and of itself, we were created to commune with God. That was our general uh, purposeful creation is God's expression of love outwardly to have some uh, have the ability to commune. And we are created in the image of God, so we are created to commune with others. And uh, that's so often where we miss it is we don't even realize that we pull ourselves away. And, and like I said, the pulling away isn't the problem. It's the pulling away to the point of isolation. And isolation leads to contention. Something that I really liked what Tristan said is that he said, I think that's the thing that people lose the most when they break out on their own. Having a group of people who can celebrate our achievements with us, mourn our losses, give comfort in our fear, give wise counsel when we need it, when we think we don't, and most importantly, pray with us through all of it, gives a life and strength that is impossible to achieve on our own. That's what community is all about and what is lost in individualism. But it's not just the individual who loses something when a person stops participating in the community. The community also loses the benefits of that individual. Yeah. And uh, he goes on to say, when people isolate themselves, other people stop being humans and start being others. They make us less likely to lend that, excuse me, and that makes us less likely to lend a helping hand. And uh, it's exactly what you're saying is you go from being um, apart and being, you know, connected to a, to a, a, a lot. It's kind of like, um, I've used this word pretty frequently in this, but uh, your, your fruit on a tree, when you break off or if the leaf falls off the tree or whatever, it's no longer receiving that life and it can wither. Now, I do want to make a point here. We are talking about healthy communities, being a part of healthy communities. There are communities that you're a part of, and this is going back to what Christy said. There are some communities you're a part of that claim they are communities, but they are not a community at all. They are negative. They are draining. But we're talking about, this is talking about being a part of a positive community. A life-giving community. If you're not part of a life-giving community, get out and find one. You know, we will message us. We will do our best to be your community. We will get you connected with people to be a community. That's what we want is to offer a community. And that's what this podcast is about. Absolutely. Is it's asking questions to further our understanding of one another. And if we're not doing that, then we're not growing. And there's a couple more things I want to hit on real quick before we wrap things up. Uh, Tristan said, but I wanted to stress one more thing. Individualism isn't limited to individuals. Community comes in all sizes. So what counts as a whole community at one level can be thought of and act as an individual at a higher one. And this, to me, this is uh, tying back to what you were saying is the layers of community. It can work um, in reversal as well. He said, it's important for the members of a family to form a community and do life together. But it's also really easy for an entire family unit to fall into the trap of individualism. It's so easy for families to get in a routine where they spend their evenings together but never reach out to other families. And this destroys churches and cities in the same way that every family member doing their own thing destroys the family. Strong communities are dependent on families working together. The church is like this too. Far often, an individual church will try to do something great on their own. The result is never as good as if a group of churches in the community had done it together. It's just too inefficient. 
Pulling resources and volunteers from a multitude of churches creates a far better overall effort. When groups of all sizes work together as a community, the whole area, those reach are better off. And that is kind of bringing it back to the, you know, we have levels of community that radiate outward, but that can also be in introspective in a way of we can get so tied up in just our our small little area that we forget the big picture. And this is the quote that I said earlier that I wanted to to kind of bring this whole podcast back to is Tristan said, I look forward to the day when this world is one large community with everyone working together for the greater good. That is such a hopeful statement. That is our goal. We may have a radiating out uh, target of influence. We may have the three, then the 12, then the multitude. But beyond the multitude lies the rest of the world. And we may not have a direct reach to them, but every person in our reach reaches out to someone else. And every person that that person reaches out to can reach to someone else. It's kind of like the movie, if anyone's ever seen the movie, Pay It Forward, where one good action, he says, pay it forward. And that action begets another action for someone else, which begets another action for someone else that changes the world. And if you want to be a world changer, if you want to reach people and touch this world in the most positive sense, uh, it starts right here in the group. It starts in your neighborhood, it starts in your church, and it starts in your city. And that's what community is all about. It's not about what can you do for me, and it's not about what can I do for you. It's about what can we do to greater impact the world we're living in together. I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who took the time to send their thoughts uh, via text or message or audio. It means a whole lot that you would take the time out to to share your heart on community. I think we did an awesome job today of encompassing uh, what a good community looks like, what a bad community looks like, when to get out, when to push deeper, how to be a part, and how to grow together. And I just want to say everyone who I mentioned, uh, all the podcasts and and blogs and other things like that, all the details will be below for the More Than Milk podcast, the weekly parody, uh, Bones, Bones to Bulk, bulk uh, Christy and all of her writing and her book. All those links will be below, so check out their stuff, guys. These are people that we trust and we cherish. Uh, and as we said before, if you haven't done so yet and you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to, uh, to subscribe to our show, and we appreciate that for sure. And guys, we also have a Facebook community. Now that we're talking about community, it's a good time to plug this here. We have a Facebook community. We're trying to get it off the ground. We want to hear what you have to say when we have more episodes like this in the future. We want to be able to extend out to you and hear what your input is too and feature you here as well. This is a show where we want to hear other people's voices, and this is a great place to find us to make sure you are heard by us so we can let you be heard by our group. So check out the details below on that. Facebook community is below. There's a link to it. Check us out on Twitter, underscore TRP podcast, Facebook.com uh, forward slash The Reckless Pursuit podcast, or just hit us up 
on our website at therecklesspursuit.com. There's a link there where you can email us. You can send us a direct voicemail. Uh, yeah, all kind of ways to get a hold of us, learn a little more about us, check out our other episodes. So, guys, we thank you all for listening so much. And I want to close with a challenge. This week, find three people that you can just reach out to. It may not have to be an hour of your time sitting down for coffee. It could just be as simple as a phone call or a text message. But let's not just go away talking about community, but let's reach out and engage in community. We're also challenging ourselves to this this week as well. Yes, and we're going to be posting about it in our community page. So keep us accountable. All right, everyone. Elaine, take it away. Be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon, guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Cedar Temple Trade Company. Cedar Temple is an apparel and home goods line on a mission to bring curiosity back to the Word of Christ with fresh, modern designs. They desire to not just spread the Word, but to look good doing it. Their shirts are some of the most comfortable tees you could wear, and they're constantly adding new products and designs to the mix. Oh, and did I mention that Cedar Temple is actually Elaine's and my very own brand? Yeah, that's right. When you order from Cedar Temple, you're helping Elaine and I do what we love and continue in our very own reckless pursuit. Because we are so thankful for all of you who take the time to listen to our show, Cedar Temple is offering a 20% discount on any single item you purchase. Head over to cedartemple.com and use offer code TRPPODCAST in all caps at checkout. That's T-R-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, at cedartemple.com. Now, go inspire. Make sure they're both recording here. Say something.